If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you, and of course, a wonderful Rosh Chodesh to all of you. Today being the second day of Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Kislev. And Kislev is indeed an exceptionally important and special month. It's a month of miracles, a month of incredible events that took place throughout history. Kislev is a month, like every month, filled with opportunity, filled with great energy. But Kislev has something extra. Of course, we celebrate the incredible festival of Hanukkah. And we'll talk about Hanukkah closer to the time. But the fact that Hanukkah takes place during the month of Kislev indicates that Kislev has that incredible dimension, not only of miracles, but incredible miracles, miracles that change the destiny of the Jewish people. The Jewish people felt at the time that they were lost. The temple was completely within the hands of the Hellenists, idols, idolatry, filled the entire chambers of the holy Betamikdash. And it was the Hasmoneans, led by Matisyahu and his sons. They not only won the battle, but they won the spiritual battle. They cleansed the temple from all the idols. They found the cruise of oil. And we celebrate Hanukkah today to remember that moment. And this is something which is important for us to understand. The entire month of Kislev is imbued with this divine, powerful energy, an opportunity for miracles. What's a miracle? A miracle means that the ordinary, the natural, that which is regular, is overwhelmed by divine blessing. Something special takes place. Each and every one of us, each and every one of us from time to time, looks for a miracle. Some people need it in, in sustenance, others in health, others in a relationship. Each and every one of us needs something extraordinary. And this is the month, the month of Kislev. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. What I want to talk about now is I've just come back from the great Kinus Hashluchen, the conference of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's emissaries that took place this past week, this past Shabbos in New York. And for a number of years, of course, because of the epidemic, it was not done face-to-face, but people have returned in huge numbers. Can you imagine over 5,000 shluchim, close to 6,000 shluchim, coming from every single corner of the globe, every single corner of the world, each with their own story, each representing tremendous communities coming together in one place, to talk, to share, and to, well, give each other tremendous support, tremendous energy, sitting in a room at a banquet with over 7,500 people. That in itself is an inspiring moment. And to listen to the stories coming from every corner of the world. We listen to the shluchim from Ukraine. Ukraine, of course, war-torn Ukraine. And you listen to the heroic stories of young men and women and their families, shluchim, who didn't leave. And if they left, they came back. Because interestingly enough, in the Ukraine, Chabad, Chabad runs the entire Jewish structure. 
the social services, the orphanages, the old age homes, the schools. There's a huge amount of Jewish children in orphanages in the Ukraine and many, many who live in old age homes. And Chabad takes care of all their material and physical needs. And can you imagine how this is done in a time of war? Many have left, many have gone to Israel, but many, many have stayed. For whatever reason, they couldn't leave. And the Shluchim stayed as well. Some quite close to the border with Russia. Only, well, two hour, a two hour drive from the border. I met with them, I spoke to them, I was overwhelmed and inspired to hear their stories. Stories, well, well, Simple heroic stories. A young shliach told his story. Someone was looking for members of their family who lived not far from the Russian border, really at the front, and they were concerned where these family members were. What did the shliach do? He got into a car, filled it up with food and other supplies, medical supplies, household supplies, food. And he drove through one village after another, destroyed villages, finally came to the place where these people lived, and after some time found them. And he, well, he gave them an injection of life. Not only did he give them food and other supplies, he gave them spiritual nourishment. He gave them emotional nourishment. They were incredibly thankful overwhelmed to hear that their family was well. No communication for the longest time. And I thought to myself, where does this come from? Where does this ability to have such self-sacrifice come from? And it comes from the Rebbe's power, Shluchim of the Rebbe. And I heard this story from many, many Ukrainian Shluchim, from Russian Shluchim, from Shluchim in Asia, the Americas, the islands, Small communities, huge communities, in the northern countries, in the southern countries, every single community in the world where there is, be a small Jewish community, there is a Chabad Shliach. Some have more. Very soon, within the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a new Chabad Shliach in Zambia. Can you believe that? In Zambia. Offices opening up throughout the entire continent of Africa. Young men and women with tremendous dedication. And they were all there. They were there at the Kinnis to inspire each other, to celebrate with each other, and to tell the world that Yiddishkeit is alive. Continuity. There will be a Jewish people, a thriving Jewish people, a proud Jewish people, a Jewish people filled, filled with hope and with holiness and with future because of the Rebbe's emissaries, because of the Rebbe's shluchim that are there throughout the entire world. I personally felt exceptionally proud. I felt enormously, enormously uplifted being there. And this is why I wanted to share these few visions, these few ideas with you, to tell you what it was like. It was a joyous time, a time of incredible celebration, a time of tremendous inspiration. And please, God, 
May it continue to grow from strength to strength. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the month of Kislev, the month of Kislev, an extraordinary month. And in fact, our sages tell us that Kislev is made up of two words, Kislo, which means a cover for him. This is a time where God Almighty has a cover, a protection for his people, for his creation, for his world. It's time that miracles flow. It's a time that each and every one of us can and should reach out to God Almighty and ask for a miracle. It's a time that each and every one of us, with proper prayer, can and should beseech the Almighty to ask for the extraordinary. It's connected to the Parsha as well. The Parsha is told out. And how does it begin? Our patriarch Yitzchak, our matriarch Rebecca, Rivka, are childless, and they desperately want a child. And naturally... Well, naturally, Rebecca can't have a child. And both of them pray. And both of them pray with the intensity that they can. Yitzchak being Yitzchak and Rivka being Rivka, they understood the power of prayer. And they were answered. And this is something that we have to understand. This is something that we have to know. The power of prayer is extremely, extremely real. In fact, our sages tell us, our mystical teachers tell us, that the sign of the month of Kislev is Sagittarius, the bow. It's the letter Samach, the round letter Samach, with the crown on top, and that turns into the bow. And we are told that the bow is the symbol of prayer. It is that symbol of the individual here below that in a sense shoots out his intense desire to connect with God. His words, his thoughts, his feelings of prayer. Because prayer comes from the depths of our being, but it reaches the heights and essence of God himself. God created this world. God created the natural order of this world. God created the lives that we have. But God also said, I am giving you the opportunity and the ability and the challenge to change some of those things if and when is necessary. And we know, yes, we should accept that which God gives us. And we should accept it wholeheartedly. But at the same time, we must reach out with prayer. We have to use that bow. As Jacob, our patriarch Jacob says, Kibakashti, with my bow did I cross, did I travel. In other words, he says, with power of prayer did I survive. Our mystical writers tell us something deeper. What is the sign, what is the indicator of the month of Kislev. Each month has its own particular activity that is connected to that month. And we're told, tells our mystical teachers, that the activity connected to the month of Kislev is sleep. 
Now, sleep is an interesting thing because it contains two opposite elements. On the one hand, sleep is a powerful, positive, and beneficial activity. It's a time of refreshment. Our souls go on high, and Hashem refreshes our souls. We, at night, say, Biatcha, God, we entrust our souls to you. And in the morning, we say, Moda'ani, we give thanks for Hashem returning this refreshed soul. Our souls, our bodies are refreshed during sleep. Not only that, but in fact, our sages tell us, for those who merited, deep secrets of Torah are often communicated to individuals while they sleep. Because sleep has a higher dimension of deeper consciousness. When we are awake, our thoughts, as powerful as they are, can sometimes be a blockage to greater ideas and to greater things. But in sleep, we don't have those barriers. And if we merit it, Hashem sends us those deeper secrets of Torah. Sleep, therefore, has the possibility and the opportunity of great blessing, both physically and spiritually. On the other hand, though, sleep can be something which is quite disturbing, a nightmare, distortion, weird. It can be something that somehow tells us how weak and vulnerable a human being is. He loses control. Dreams, strange dreams, has strange thoughts. Sleep can be a time that where the human being loses his sense of humanness, of humanity. And this is why our sages tell us that sleep is a 60th portion of death. Sleep, therefore, is an either-or situation. On the one hand, it has the tremendous possibility of great spiritual gifts and physical relaxation and refreshment as well. On the other hand, it can be a deeply disturbing, upsetting and distorting sort of time with weird and strange images. This is the month of Kislev. The month of Kislev tells us that there is a necessity of sleep. But what kind of sleep do we want? We want a miraculous sleep. The natural order that runs this world is good. It's filled with blessing. It's wonderful. But from time to time, as mentioned before, we need something greater. And very often, if we don't have that which is greater, it becomes distorted. We take a look at the natural world, and very often we look at the natural world, and it becomes a bit of a nightmare. It's a different type of sleep. Everything is distorted. Relationships are distorted. Nations in relationship to each other. Drought. Famine. Upheaval. 
Kislev is a time that reminds us that we have the opportunity of creating a powerful, beneficial type of sleep. What happened during the month of Kislev? Of course, you remember. You remember Hanukkah. What happened Hanukkah? Hanukkah was a time of a great battle. The Greek Hellenists, who believed in idolatry and wanted to eradicate godliness in the world, they abolished Britain circumcision among the Jews. Wouldn't allow them to observe mitzvot as commandments from God or study Torah as the wisdom of God. Didn't allow them to observe Shabbat. They wanted to bring the negative sleep into the world. A world of immorality, a world of, well, idolatry. A world of physical, pagan beauty and culture which resulted in that negative sleep. What did Hashmanoim do? They wanted to wake up the world and bring it to a sleep of spirituality, of holiness. That was the great battle. The great battle is what kind of sleep should the world have? One that brings it down into corruption and vulgarity? Or one that brings it up to glory and godliness and spirituality. This is what the month of Kislev is all about. In the month of Kislev, on the 19th of Kislev, the first Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the Balhatanya and the Rav Shulchan Aruch, who authored it, he was imprisoned by the Tsar with false, false charges of treason. On the 19th of Kislev, he was released. They recognized him as a great man. That too was a time. The Alter Rebbe, as he was known, he wanted to bring light into the world. Holiness into the world. The world was in a dark place. And every time light being brought into the world, elements of darkness tries to overwhelm it. This is the great battle. And it's the great battle that takes place in this week's Parsha as well. Who was born in this week's Parsha? In this week's Parsha, Yaakov and Esav are born. What does Yaakov want to do? Yaakov is the one who sits in the tent, he studies the Torah. Yaakov wants to bring the word of God into the world and continue the great, great legacy of his father, and his grandfather, Abraham and Isaac, of teaching the world about one God and the morality of the values of God's ways. What does Esau want? Esau wants physical power, physical pleasure. Esau wants the extreme opposite. And both in their own way try to influence the world by showing the world the value of each. And this is the great battle. The great battle that ensues. It's not only well, sibling rivalry, twin brothers who, well, have difference of opinion. Yaakov sees that, God forbid, if Esau takes control of this world, the world is going to end up in a disastrous position. <laughs> 
a world that is going to be built upon the foundations of corruption, of evil, of vulgarity, of immorality, of physical power. And Yaakov has to do whatever he can in order to ensure that the word of God prevails. And it's not easy. Because as you look at them, Aesop is far more powerful than Yaakov in every sense of the word, physically. Aesop is strong. Aesop is a hunter. Aesop is an individual who's cunning. Aesop has the ability of convincing people as a result of that which he says and how he behaves. He has the charisma that people listen to. And Yaakov has to battle against that with every, every element of power that he possesses. And what power does he have? He has the power of Torah. He has the power of correctness. He has the power of God's word, which may at times look very weak in the eyes of the world, but ultimately, ultimately that prevails. And if you take a look at history, what lasts? The great powers of the world? No. The great powers of the world come and go. The word of Yaakov, the word of Torah, the word of Torah lasts. Yaakov is known as the one of the patriarchs that represents Emmet, truth. Truth is eternal. A lie is temporary. Oh, often it's very seductive, a lie. It can convince many people, and we know that. Political lies, advertising, commercial lies. But they have a short life span. Truth, truth might not always be popular, but it's infinite. It lasts forever. It stays with us. The great battle of Yaakov and Esau. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about Jacob and Esau. When did this battle begin when they were grown up? Did this battle begin when they, well, understood what life was all about when they were adults? No. In fact, when their mother, Rebecca, was still pregnant, these twins wrestled in her room. And she said, if I'm going to have to endure this, well, this type of pain, and she sensed what was going on. Why did I plead for this? Why did I pray for this? And she went to inquire the word of God to the great sages of Shem and Eber. And she was told that you're carrying two great and powerful nations. One who represents godliness and holiness and the other one who represents, well, physical might. And the younger one will ultimately reign supreme, Jacob. It might appear that the older one, Esau, physically stronger, physically more powerful, he will, he will be victorious, but no. This battle began before they were born. In fact, God decided that these two children, from the time of conception, would each have a different nature. 
because this is the great battle of the world and the choices that we have to make within the world. The world is not automatically a good place, or God forbid, automatically a bad place. It has the potential for evil. And there are evil people from time to time who will rise up and will have huge following and create evil systems and evil nations in the world. But there's also the choice of Jacob, of good people who rise up and bring the word of God and bring the word of goodness and morality and decency into this world. And ultimately, they are the ones who receive the blessing from Isaac. The blessing of, well, ongoing goodness. And well, as I said before, continuity, generation after generation. And even though from time to time it looks, well, the end has come, it doesn't come. It continues to flourish. It continues to grow despite the biggest challenges. This is what this Parsha teaches us. Strangely, Yaakov goes into exile. And Esau, well, he masters over a huge and powerful land. How come? If Yaakov is the man of truth, if Yaakov is the man of godliness, and Yaakov is the man who is charged with bringing God's word to the world, why does he have to go into exile? And why does Esau, well, appear to have the blessing at that time, there's a fundamental difference between Yaakov and Esau. Esau is an individual who wants instant gratification. I want my blessing now. I want it here. And I want it on a physical basis. I don't want to have to wait. I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to extend myself. I want instant, immediate gratification. That is a sign of evil. What does Jacob? Jacob says, I'm prepared to go into exile. What does that symbolize? I'm going to work for it. I'm going to put energy into that. I want to see a reward that I deserve because I have worked for it. I'm not looking for instant gratification. I'm working toward a great goal. That's the exile of the Jewish people. The ultimate goal, of course, is Mashiach. Of course you can have instant gratification. Here's a country, here's power, here's an army. Does it last? No, it doesn't last. It's a flash in the pan. And historically speaking, we've seen that again and again. Also, well, on a micro basis, some people want it now and here and this and that. Are they satisfied? Does it give them a true sense of accomplishment? Absolutely not. And then you find those who study and work and apply themselves. And what they achieve gives them tremendous, a tremendous sense of achievement and satisfaction. That's one of the differences between good and evil. One of the fundamental differences between Yaakov and Esau. Instant gratification as opposed to a developed process which results in well-earned rewards. This is what this parsha is all about. The parsha is not about two brothers fighting. It is an indication of what's happening in the world and what we have to search for, what we have to look for, and what we have to choose, and how we have to adjust our lives 
so that we begin to reflect the value of Jacob and not the value of Asaph. And the value of Asaph is very pervasive in commerce, in relationship, in everything that we see around us, in fashion. Yaakov might not be as exciting, but it's deep and it's powerful and it's lasting and it's satisfying. And that's the great battle between Yaakov and Asaph. So when you're in shul tomorrow, listen to that story. How he got the blessings, what his mother did. Listen to what his father says and does. Listen to the entire Parsha. Listen to the journey of Isaac. Listen to the journey of Yaakov. It's a journey that only begins. And over the next few weeks, we're going to journey together with Yaakov and hopefully learn what the journey is all about. A great journey. It's a journey of the Jewish people. But listen carefully to the Parsha as it unfolds. It has a tremendous story to tell and a tremendous lesson to teach. And as I always say, listen to the words that talk to you, that particular part of the Parsha that has something personal to say to you. Good Shabbos and good Chodesh.